You're listening to Crushing It, a podcast with me, Jennifer Hoff, a place to highlight women who are empowering others, sharing advice, and just doing good. I hope it inspires you to learn, grow, and go out in the world and crush it. My guest this week is truly crushing it. She owns an award-winning winery in Oregon where she doesn't just serve you up a glass of wine. No, no, she will bring you some pretty soulful music too. In fact, she just released her newest album. So please give a warm welcome to Tess Barr. Hi, Tess. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. That was my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. You've got a busy day ahead here. I, I understand the pandemic has, at least now, not stopped visitors from coming out to our local wineries. No, it seems like in ways, some in some ways it's a little bit busier. Even though our beautiful tasting room and indoor bar is closed, we have um, a beautiful outdoor patio and two courtyards that we've set up to social distance when parties are four or less. Tables are about 10 to 12 feet apart, and we've got about 29 of them, which is really cool. So um, we're able to, to, to have quite a few people safely in this environment. So your winery is called Hoodcrest Winery out in the Hood River area, mm-hmm. um, and you have a beautiful property, and we are in uh, the most beautiful time of the year here in the Pacific Northwest. So sitting outside enjoying a glass of wine, uh, you can't beat that. Oh. oh, it's amazing. We have people that tell us, this is the first time we've been out since the pandemic hit. We feel so safe. It's so nice to be out here sitting and having a glass of wine. We not only look out at the Mosier Hills, but we have an amazing view of Mountain Hood right in front of us. And we are truly a working winery from uh, vine to bottle. So we look out at right now, the, the grapes are just beautiful. We've got our estate Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and we've also got some Barbera and some Cabernet Sauvignon. And, Pinot Meunier. We also have a lot of food table grapes that are really fun and people come in the summertime and can sit in the courtyard and the kids can usually pick the grapes and eat them and it's pretty fun. We serve them up on the on our charcuterie platters. So it's truly a magical time out here. I'm not sure what my favorite season or view of Hood River is, but because I really truly like them all, but this one's pretty special. It's it's something else. Yeah, folks mm-hmm. haven't been out to the gorge uh, in mm-hmm. the summertime to enjoy what what uh, Oregon has to offer. I, I highly recommend it. But and I want to get mm-hmm. to that because you are the owner, you are the winemaker, you are doing mm-hmm. so much out there. <laughs> but I want to just touch on quickly the importance of getting out, whether it's enjoying a glass of wine. There are a lot of folks, and rightly so, who are a little nervous to be out and about. But I think you guys have really taken um, the safety protocols seriously. And mentally, it's something really important, I think, to have conversations with people, to socialize, to get out and do something enjoyable like that. And I I think you've seen some of that, right? The importance of that. We have really seen it. Uh, When we closed on March 15th, I had no idea we'd be closed for almost three months. Um, what happened was we are also a Hoodcrest Winery and Distillers. So about a week into the um, closure, uh, the federal government asked us distilleries to please make hand sanitizer for the crisis. And they provided us with the WHO formulation, um, the World Health Organization formulation guidelines, which we followed. So we were able to start out making hand sanitizer 
Um, and we provided curbside pickup. So we made it very, very safe, very um, easy for folks to come out and uh, pick up hand sanitizers, wine. We still made our, our wood fire pizzas available. And it, we were hearing a lot, people, are, people were really afraid and they still are afraid and rightly so. Um, some of the things are, we see a lot of people that are just wanting to get out and take a drive up the gorge. Even if you don't get out of your car or you just call for curbside pickup, you can do that. And maybe you wanna uh, buy a bottle of wine or maybe you just wanna get some hand sanitizer with that or maybe a pizza to go or a salad. Um, we're really um, fastidious about safety here. We've always had a super clean a building, a super clean kitchen, and we're known for that. So people are still recognizing us for that. I'm so proud of that. And I couldn't be any prouder than I am now of that fact. My employees are just so good about, they're just as fastidious as I am. But if you're worried about getting out of your car, you don't need to. And there's lots of places in the gorge that you can do curbside pickup and feel good about it. But just if your people are saying they feel cooped up, they wanna go somewhere new, get on 84 or get on 26 and go around the mountain. A lot of people are going all the way around the mountain. They're going up 84 and down 26 or up 26 and down 84 and going and maybe stop and hang out at Timberline Lodge if you haven't been there for years. And you can do that safely in your own car. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many things to do out there and your hand sanitizer, by the way, you had little containers full of it. And then you sort of went to the big containers. I mean, there was really a demand for your hand sanitizer. There still is. We still have the little ones and you can pick up a small two and a half ounce spritzer, which we spritz like perfume. When we come out of the store, we come out of the bank, um, spritz all over in our car. got one in my purse, got one in my car. Um, but we found that, um, we sold, we were selling to railroads, we sold to food distributors, beer distributors, we, we're still selling to clinics uh, because they're also using it as um, a, dis, a surface disinfectant. We don't sell it for that, but you certainly can. It's, uh, it's about 80 proof. So um, it's, it's really good. Um, it works amazing and it's a great a great cleaner as well. Um, and we also uh, sold to some um, fire departments. So we really felt like we were really an important piece of the puzzle in trying to help. We also uh, have masks for sale, disposable masks that we sold to hospitals when they were in, um, we sold in Washington, they had a really bad crisis. So we brought some in and uh, sold a couple truckloads to hospitals. We still have some as well. So. We were able, I'm really proud of the fact that we were able to keep all of our employees working while we were closed. What does it mean to be a female winemaker? You know, um, I didn't think too much about it until the uh, Women Winemaking Project got a hold of me. And those are some really, really great people. And so I'm one of the, at the time, uh, two women winemakers in the gorge. So she came out to talk to us in the in the uh, Columbia Gorge AVA, which is very unique because we're, we're, our AVA is very unique because we're on the Washington side and the Oregon side and we're split by a river, but it's our this same AVA. And um, 
so one on the Washington side and one on the Oregon side. And I didn't know that less than 10% of the winemakers in the United States are women. And that number is only up to 10% because of California. So if you take California out of the equation, it's just hardly anything. So I'm really, really extremely proud to be a woman winemaker. And just how innovative you are. I mean, you are not just making wine there. You kind of have this mentality of like, sure, if you can think it up or I can think it up, I'm going to try yeah. it. And that's <laughs> led to so many different and unique paths for you. Yes. And, you know, as women, that's what we do. We multitask. We think out of the box. What can I do next? How can I make it better? Um, oh, this, I can, I can do it this way. You know, and I, I, I just think like a woman and that's what we do. Tell me what you've made there. That's so different. I mean, again, you're not just sticking to wine. You've come up with a whole bunch of new products. Oh, in our distillery, we have all kinds of uh, great, I'm, I'm having a, I love cooking up uh, some of the blended wines and really trying some new varietals that nobody's doing, like Carmenere that I've been able to bring out of the woods, literally, and um, some really wonderful, uh, like Nebbiolos and Dolcettos that, that are becoming more popular. And those are surprising wines to me because they kind of change in the barrel when they're aging. But the distillery has been super, super fun as well because you know, you people think that you can put fruit in a still and it comes out alcohol, but it doesn't. Guess what? You got to make wine first. So it's been really fun making all kinds of different wine potions to go into the still to bring out some really, really, truly amazing spirits. Like we've got one of the only, if not the only vodka distilled from 100% cherries that we're going to release soon that uh, is gluten-free and it's amazing. I, I love a glass of wine, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I'm a beer drinker. I would prefer a beer. And you've actually oh. combined the two, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, work with a, a top distiller in the, in the world um, and a sparkling winemaker in France. And they called my husband and I and said, hey, you two, have you finished crushing all your grapes yet? And we said, no. And they said, this is the hottest thing in Europe and in, especially in London, you have to try it. So we take um, one barrel, we put Cabernet Sauvignon grapes in, one, one barrel we put Muscat Canelli grapes in. We took it to a local brewery and had to fill it with pale ale. Well, we pushed it through a secondary fermentation, barrel aged it for six months and bottled it. It's out of this world. It is so good and people that try it, they're like, I beer wine hybrid that's got to be terrible but you can't think of mixing beer and wine together because that's not what it is it's a secondary fermented um, ale with wine grapes but this last year when we did crush um, we used our pinot noir estate grapes and our chardonnay grapes and the brewery specially made beer for us just for that purpose that, so that's I mean, been really fun. Save me a glass because if there's a reason totally. for me to head out that way, you know I'm going to try that. that there's sounds... always a reason for you to head out this way. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to have you out here. Well said. Well said. <laughs> oh, it, that just sounds refreshing and so good on a hot summer day too. Well, well, it's so funny because we have we call one red and one white, and uh, people will say, "Oh, okay, I, I'm going to try the red one." and Pretty much about 90% of the time they come back and say, I want to try the white one too. So people, sometimes people go, I, oh, I just really like the white one. I'm going to have another white one. But 
a lot of times most people are trying both of them. When did you decide I want to be a business owner and more specifically a winery owner who is making her own wine? I mean, how does that pop into one's brain and what advice do you have for somebody who wants to make a leap like that? Well, it is a leap of faith if you've had a, a day job forever. Um, and I guess pretty much I, when I was pregnant with my first child, I have two, um, this was about 33 years ago. Uh, I was working in restaurants and, and, uh, singing in bars at night and there was a lot of smoke. Everybody was smoking back then and I just couldn't handle the smoke. So I wanted to think of something else to do. And I started my very first business with a still. Uh, a beehive that we were raising bees and herbs out of my garden. So I started making um, herbal skincare products. And so I went uh, national on a very small scale with 28 products. And I was way too ahead of my time. And that was, that had been my problem for quite a few of my number of my businesses. But what happens is, is when you start networking with people and you're making something that people like or people enjoy, they start asking if you can do it for them. And at first I would kind of say no. And then I'd say, well, I don't know if I can do it or not. I could try. So my whole thing was don't say no, don't say yes. If you don't think you can just say, I can try and you can. And I found out that people were willing to pay me money to try. So I, instead of calling it a try fee, I call it investigation fee. <laughs> so I can investigate this and see if I can put something together for you. So that's how I ended up putting together a business to help people put their businesses together. And with the winery, and I think I probably did that for about 20 years. And with the winery, it just took on a life of its own. It, it was, um, I started it, I love putting things in bottles, obviously, in jars and making whatever I can make, uh, potions or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I, I was making wine and carboys, which are the big glass bottles. And I wanted to really make one and put it in a barrel. And so we, I made, I made some, got, we got some grapes. I put it in a barrel and man, we drank that thing so fast. And my husband always says my famous quote is the barrel doesn't last as long as you think it should. Well, it doesn't. And so I quickly filled up um, a new building that he had built for a car shop. Never put a car in there. We started the first winery there um, just with a little Metro shelf and a sharp calculator ca uh, cash machine and some patio furniture and opened the garage door and started doing wine tastings. And that's why there's a big door down here because we, even though we moved a thousand feet to the east, we, we didn't want to mess with the model and we just kept it the same because if it's not broke, don't fix it pretty much, just make it bigger. But my husband came in and he said to me, I had about 60 barrels of wine in the shop. And he said, you know what, honey? And I was still formulating for other companies. You know, this, this could no longer be your very expensive hobby. You need to start selling the wine. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to sell the wine. So I found uh, this gal named Jerry and she helped me set up the winery for a couple of years. And then uh, a couple of years ago, she came back and she's still with me today. So, and the rest is history, as they say. Yep, pretty well, much. And on, on top of that, so you have great wine, 
Mm-hmm. Not a lot of wineries around here offer like live music. I mean, some of them do, but uh-huh. if they do, they're not the winemaker up there singing. Mm, nope. <laughs> I mean, he's a huge career as a singer as well. A very yes. good one too. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. So How would you describe your music? Mm, well, I, I was, you know, just doing blues for many, many years and I still do blues, but I mainly just only do originals now because I have so many. And it's probably in the country blues uh, rock genre, kind of sw- on the swampy side. I just s- released my fifth YouTube video just this last Tuesday called Renegade. So I have five up on YouTube. They're very entertaining. Um, and I'm on 29 Spotify playlists right now. And they're, they usually takes at least 14 weeks to get to 100,000 hits. And mine are breaking in like three and four weeks. So... Wow, get it, girl. That's awesome. I know. That's awesome. Hey, at 61, you can still rock it. Go for it. <laughs> I would say you're rocking it. What yeah, are you? Uh, so how bummed are you that the Blues Fest was canceled this year? Yeah, pretty bummed over it. I mean, it's, it's, I think probably, if you want to know the truth, I think maybe one of the hardest hit industries is the music industry right now. Um I, I think, um, well, I know one thing, um, the, the entertainment companies that I'm working with are pretty bummed about the fact that um, there are no venues because they said I'd, I'd be out touring right now and really be killing it. So they'd have me out on tour. So that's kind of weird, but taking it out away from me, there's a lot of hardworking musicians out there that that's what they do. They work for a living. Um, being a musician and they're not being able to do that I know a lot of them I have a few guys that work in here for me uh we have a really good crowd we have that's one of the hardest things for me is to not be able to figure out how to do the music yet and a lot of musicians don't want to go out um and play and I get that and then uh now a lot of musicians are streaming live and you need to help support those people and people go, oh, they've got a, a virtual tip jar out there. Yeah, tip them because you know what? That's how they make their money and they're not making money. You don't really make that much money. The, the establishments don't really pay that much anyway, um, but you do, they, they do make their tips. So if you can listen to people live on Facebook and support them a little bit, it's a really good thing because I, I think that that's one of the, and we all know about the restaurants. We all know about everything that's just crushing. But a lot of our of our local musicians are really hurting right now. They really are. They really are. I mean, mm-hmm. I miss even new music. I, I feel yes. like new music isn't being released even as quickly uh, as it has in the past. And you can really feel that. On the flip side, though, I do think people are finding very creative ways to have concerts or to put Mm -hmm. out their new music. And while it may not be as profitable, um, you know, if that's what folks love and that's what's in their heart to do, then I have found Mm -hmm. people will find a way to do it, which means we need to support them more than ever. Totally. If we can. Yeah. It's just uh, what goes around comes around. You know, you got to try to try to help where you can. Yeah. What are some of your influences as a singer? Oh my gosh. Probably Johnny Cash, Muddy Waters, um, Hound Dog Taylor, Coco Taylor, uh, Janis Joplin, and um, 
probably um, Catsy Coin. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My dog I is could go on a buddy guy, and apparently it is after after him, as my husband likes to say. So, <laughs> Well, I sang at Buddy Guys in Chicago once. That's awesome. So can I ask you to just sing uh -huh. a little something right now? Oh, wow. Let's see. What should I do? I'll just do a, a line out of my new song that just got released, Renegade. He doesn't have a conscience. He's a renegade. And he has no idea on all the hell he's made. And he's going for the needle. He's going for the pipe. And he'll wind up in a cheap motel begging for his life yeah <laughs> thank you that's oh, awesome you're welcome. oh well i'm certainly going to try to get out there i would love to to see you and see oh we'd love to have you out here what's yeah going on so tell me what is next what's what's up for you uh what's up for the the winery and, and your music biz and where can people find you if they're interested well, if, and the music-wise, uh, you can go to testbar.com, testbar music on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can go to YouTube uh, and look up testbar, and I've got five videos there right now, and I'm on 29 rock Spotify playlists um, that you can hear me on. Uh, it's crazy the playlist that, that it's on. It's really fun, like 90s grunge rock. And it's pretty fun to be included with all these people. Uh, road trip, ro road trip rock tunes. Um, and then hoodcrestwinery.com. You can go there and see our huge array of wines that we have. Almost all of them are awarded. The distillery, we're just getting the labels finished. So we're going to start, resume the spirit tastings. Going to be releasing uh, our Dirty Ginny and our Dirty Vinny, which is a Dirty Martinis right out of the bottle. They're amazing. Uh, our distilled grape vodkas, our tart cherry liqueur, and our fruit brandies. So those are coming up real quick. Wow, a lot going on. A lot going on. Mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty incredible. Okay, I like to do this with everybody. A quick lightning round, five questions. I want you to give me the first answer that comes to your mind, okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yep. Number one, what is the first thing that you do in a pressure-filled situation? I take a deep breath. Number two, what is one word that you would use to describe yourself? Crazy. <laughs> oh, in a good way. <laughs> Number three, name something that brings you complete joy. Uh, my family. Number four, what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Mm. I love everything. Probably, probably beef. Beef. Well, P.S., you guys also do wood-fired pizza out there, which I hear is Unbelievable wood-fired pizzas, yeah. Yeah, we just uh, started a, our new one that we were in love with is our uh, chicken fajita pizza. It's amazing it's to die for. Wow, that's Can't keep good. it on the shelf. <laughs> and lastly, what I think is one of the most important questions for anyone listening, for all women, what is the one thing that you would tell your 25-year-old self? Hang in there. It's going to get better. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
I think that is so important in general, but also just with some of the things that folks are going through nowadays. So mm -hmm. it's a good piece of advice. Uh, Ms. Tesbar, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. You've got just big things going and you are <laughs> a total inspiration for so many people. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor. As always, thanks for listening to Crushing It. And a special thank you to all my guests the last seven weeks who are gracious, kind, and full of empowering advice. To listen to their stories and their episodes again, be sure to check out my Podbean account or on my Facebook and Twitter pages. And as always, keep crushing it.